Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Beth Troutman is off today. She will return tomorrow. And returning to the Ty Boyd studio today... Our good friend Mick Mulvaney, former White House Chief of Staff, former South Carolina Congressman, White House Budget Director, Special Envoy to Northern Ireland, and uh, all-around good guy. How are you today? Too good. Good to be here. Lost my voice a little bit. I don't know why. We'll talk about uh, your thoughts on the big game a little bit later, but uh, the real game now, the game this morning, here on this Monday, February 13th, keeping track of how many things we've shot down in the last (laughs) eight days. I mean, this is a I don't know what to make of all this now. A lot of people, no doubt, were distracted over the weekend with things like, I don't know, the Super Bowl uh, or other activities. It was a huge sports weekend. And yet, if you're if you're following what's going on, stemming from the original China balloon that was shot down uh, just off the coast of South Carolina. Now we have three other objects in eight days. And they're saying, like, the, the, we don't know that these are balloons. These are objects. But they've all been shot down, Mick Mulvaney, which uh, that in of itself, a uh, lot to unpack here. Um, yeah, it is. And, you know, I can't help but look at this stuff now. And hopefully, as I get further and further away from the job, I can go back to being a normal human being. But right now, I'm still fairly close to having served in the White House. So I can't help but look at it from the perspective of folks who work there, right? And so... You watch this over the weekend, and you start pulling your hair out, going, where is the messaging? What are they doing? What are these people in the building thinking about? Because you can't, you can't not have a narrative. You can't not have a story. You can't not have a message. You can't have nothing, because if there's a void, a void will get filled, and it will get filled by, and I'm saying this just a little bit tongue-in-cheek, people, crazy people who think this might be a result of attacking an asteroid. Um, and you know what I'm talking about from the last segment. Um, was it was Calendar who said that? Oh, the, yeah. yeah the, we attack the asteroid. This is right. the sponsor attack. It allows narratives like that to get out. Well, and and the, the UFO was said in a couple of places over the weekend. Yeah. I, so what you need to, what they need to be doing is and, getting and I don't, together. And I don't mean that I think it's a UFO, yeah. but, but to your point, uh, if you don't fill the void, every little thing will get said. It, it can be little, little green people. And who knows? It may be little green Martians. I have no idea. But the point of the matter is the White House is supposed to lead a message, drive a message, even if the message is, look, we don't know what this is. We're doing X, Y, and Z, et cetera, et cetera. That's a message, right? You don't just be silent. And, and that's what the you played a clip last hour about the president not taking any questions about this. Someone has to answer questions. Someone has to be out there every morning at 9 o'clock giving whatever the narrative is. There has to be some cohesion to this uh, and some coherence to this. It just it frustrates me because this administration supposedly ran on competence, because supposedly the Trump team was incompetent. And I look at this and going, this is a disaster. This is a bunch of amateurs running around not knowing what to do. Um, I feel bad for Jeff Zients. He's only been on the job in the chief's office a week, and he's had to deal with this now. So, um, But, I, you know, I, I feel bad for him a little bit, but not enough to, to, you know, forgive him for not doing his job. There needs to be a message out there so that there's not this void that anybody and everybody can fill, because that's what's happening right now. If this same scenario were happening Uh, When President Trump was in office and you worked that year with President Trump as his chief of staff, uh, can you imagine how this would be being handled right now? What the what the what it would be like to be a fly on the wall in the White House during this? 
Yeah, it's 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 an interesting question because um, I, I I would probably be so. What you do? You'd have you'd have you know the chief's office in there. You'd have clearly the the media, the press team, comms, press, everybody. So Sarah Huckabee Sanders uh, is in there. Uh, Mercedes Schlapp is in there. Later on, it would be uh, Stephanie be in there. It'd be the professionals, and then you get people who you are your senior advisors who don't have sort of a portfolio, but you have because they are really really good, insightful people. So Kellyanne Conway would be in there, right? And we'd be having this conversation. Uh, and you might even have um, Cudlow down because you don't want to do anything to freak out the markets. You don't want to have somebody go out and say, well, it's clearly aliens and have the markets go nuts, right? So you'd have the senior team in the, in the, in the Oval Office talking about what to say. I would probably be advocating for transparency. You know, we don't know what it is, but here's what we're doing X, Y, Z. president was never a big fan of that. president was never a big fan of admitting what he didn't know. So he would... Tr- Try to be looking for some other message to deliver. These are weather balloons, darn it. We're going to say they're weather balloons until they're not weather balloons. And, and so, and that would be the debate that we would have. But at least you'd be having the debate and you'd walk out of the meeting with a plan. What, what, what is your, uh, so now let's go back to the, to the present. Uh, we were talking about speculating as if you had been there if this were to happen during the Trump administration. But now here's where we are. And you see how Biden has responded or not responded to it. What's your level of concern, especially as it relates to the one we know about uh, to a degree, which is that balloon uh, from China and, and the other three, whatever they may turn into, what's your level of concern security-wise? Um, fairly, it would be significant, if not it, oh, security-wise. Um, you know, uh, I, I, I think through it this way. What do we know? We know there was one that was a balloon that came from China, okay? So that leads me to believe that the default setting should be that the next one that we see would be something from China, whether it's a balloon or not. Why? Because they've just proven their ability to do it, their intent to do it, and the fact that they did it. Um, and, you know, you've got this rumor going around that there were th- two or three before during the Trump administration. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that in a second. That's that's bizarre to me. That That's a that's a weakness. There, there's a there's a problem with that. Um, but my concern from a security standpoint is that either it has been going on for a long time and we haven't known about it or that they're just getting a lot more stuff than we real and that we're getting a lot more stuff that, that we just don't realize. All those things are, are, are troubling that if this might have been happening for a while. Well, and we touched on this a bit last week when there was only one to talk about. Uh, but but you, I mean, nobody in the Trump administration, since it was alleged that this had been happening earlier, had any knowledge of it. Let's go through this real quickly. John Bolton said he never heard about it. R- R- Robert O'Brien, this uh, John Bolton's successor, said he never think, heard about it. Pompeo said he never heard anything about it. And right. I'm saying I never heard anything about it, which means that they didn't tell us. OK, so there's three possibilities. Number one, it was happening. There were balloons, and the military caught it and didn't tell us. Okay, That is a major problem. There's another possibility, which it, it was happening, and the military didn't catch it, and that's why they didn't tell us. That is a major problem. Mm-hmm. Number three is that it didn't happen. Okay, It didn't happen, and they're just making it up now to try and make Biden look, bad, look good, and that's even worse. So th- there are no good outcomes here um, by saying— Oh, this happened during the Trump administration without having the White House know about it. So that that, that I, by the way, I hope it's one or two. I hope it's actually one that they that, that were there. They saw it. They think, said to themselves, this does not this is not a big deal. It doesn't rise to the level of letting the president know. That's the end of the story. It's still a mistake in my mind, but it's the least um, significant mistake. You go to the last one, which is they're willing to lie about a previous president in order to make a current president look good. That is a major problem. and should get people fired. 
News Talk 1110 WBT, Bo Thompson and Mick Mulvaney. I'm going to complain to Pat about him taking two minutes of my time. I saw him last week. I should have said something. I'm going to do that. I am. I'm going to we'll make him go in the 8 o'clock hour. <laughs> is he the same time every single day? Uh, yes. Okay, then. Yes, he is. Except for Wednesdays, because Wednesdays he's here for an hour. He's Can we do him in the 4 o'clock to 5 o'clock hour? I am uh, not the guy you should be talking to. No, that's what I, was, that's what I meant. <laughs> I don't control such things. <laughs> I just talk behind the microphone here between the hours of uh, 5 a.m. and 10 a.m. And on Mondays, I uh, get to join you in the studio. And by the way, Beth is going to be back tomorrow. She's off today, prearranged thing, so we knew she was not going to be here. But she'll be back tomorrow, and we have lots to discuss. In fact, uh, let's talk about this. Under the previous administration, the American deficit went up four years in a row. Because those record deficits, no president added more to the national debt in any four years than my predecessor. Nearly 25% of the entire national debt that took over 200 years to accumulate was added by just one administration alone, the last one. They're the facts. Check it out. Check it out. Out. A, a lot has been made since this speech the other night. A lot has been made about how rowdy it was in that room and how, uh, obviously, Marjorie uh, Taylor Greene's been, you know, she's she had, was one of the ones that stood up and was yelling liar. And, and, but she's not the only one who was sort of barking back at him. And even Kevin McCarthy sitting behind him uh, was, uh, I would say, more animated. Now, as soon as I say that, more animated by some of the things he could he could sort of sort of uh, mouth, but didn't he didn't rip up, he didn't rip up a speech right. either. So yeah. he didn't go to that extreme. But what are, you spent a lot of time in that room. Was the room the other night any more? I mean, has has it ever been as animated as it was, or are people making too much about this? I, I think people are making too much about it, but it is getting worse. So maybe I'm talking on both sides of my mouth when I say that. Um, it didn't surprise me. There has been a decline in decorum in the country. There's been a decline in decorum in Washington, D.C. So, the, again, Washington doesn't lead. It follows. Um, you, you think we'd like to do a little bit better in Washington than you do, you know, out in, 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 in everywhere else. But we don't. Um, and you go back to the Joe Wilson, you lie thing, which I always thought was interesting. I'm absolutely convinced he was hopped up on caffeine pills because he just got back from Afghanistan. But re- reasons aside, it changed the speech. And now people know if they yell out, they're going to get they get to be famous. Uh, and I mean, Joe made, I think, raised two million dollars in 24 hours out of that. Um, that's a big deal. There's big money in, in, in being outrageous. Um, that said, you know, Nancy uh, took it down another several levels when she ripped up the speech, which was just horrendous. Horrend- they should have if, if they should have censured her for that. You can't kick you don't want to kick her out of Congress for that. But you should have officially censured her for doing that. One of the most disrespectful things I can imagine in that speech, uh, even more so than the ULI thing. Um, but you, and then Joe, Joe encourages it. He, he engages it. He's like, hey, man, you know, he's, he's trying to be a, an everyday guy, right? He's, oh, look it up. And every time you look it up, it turns out you're wrong. Um, but it, it, it's, it's, it's not any one person's fault. It's a decline in decorum. Um, it's going to continue to get worse as long as people continue to see it as a way to become famous and to raise a bunch of money. Marjorie Taylor Greene is raising money off of that clip. Um, you know, it, it becomes an interesting chess move 
where now the Republicans are saying the Democrats actually tried to go to the, the, the Republicans in doing that because they think it makes Republicans look bad. Republicans make, think, and make it, think it makes them look good. So with that sort of dynamic, you can expect it to get worse and worse and worse. Ironically, I thought this last week, look, President Trump, if he's in the right venue and in the right mood, can goad people as, as, as much as anybody we've seen. However, you and I have talked before about the different gears of speech modes that President Trump would be in. And there's a mood where he is absolutely kind of trying to fire up a crowd. There's also a mode that he can strike, and he didn't do it that often, but every once in a while, he sort of struck the presidential, more regal, more subdued mode. Uh, when he did his speech a few uh, months ago to st start this current campaign, it was that mode. You know, I actually thought that when he get, gave State of the Union addresses, he was much more subdued than what we saw of Biden the other night. Biden, a couple of those moments, was, was like you sort of say, uh, kind of goading the crowd along. He was, and, and you're right about Trump. And, in fact, we, we worked hard, he worked hard to make sure he knew he had a couple different gears. And he knew there were certain circumstances that were so important and so traditional, so iconic, that it wasn't appropriate for a rally speech. Um, I remember when we talked about the State of the Union in 2019, which we almost didn't have. Remember, it was the government shutdown at the time. Right. And Congress was not in session. Uh, Congress was in session, but we would shut down the government, so they were not capable of inviting us over because they didn't have the staff to have us. So we started looking around for other places to have the speech. And he's like, no, no, this is the speech that's supposed to happen in that building with that crowd. Everybody watches it. It's a huge audience. We're going to do the speech there as soon as the government open back, opens back up. And he knew he wanted to give a presidential speech. He also did that at the United Nations um, General Assembly. Those were where he gave his, uh, what I'll say, formal speeches and usually stuck to the script 95, 98 percent of the time not a rally speech. You almost felt like Joe Biden was the exact opposite. He's trying to give a rally speech um, the other night uh, in order to do a couple of things. And I think this was successful in order to, number one, point out to people that even though he's old, he's still capable. I think he did that. I think he, he, his energy levels were high. The speech was not a, not a I mean, there's no such thing as a bad speech, but his presentation was proper. Just like Trump wanted to send a message, I can be presidential. So it was a success for him. Biden needed to deliver the message. I'm not dead yet. Um, and it was successful. Did you know St. Jude has one of the largest pediatric sickle cell programs in the country? St. Jude freely shares the discoveries they make, and every child saved at St. Jude means doctors and scientists worldwide can use this knowledge to save thousands more children everywhere. Join me today in helping to fight sickle cell disease by becoming a partner in hope. Call now, 1-800-411-9898. That's 1-800-411-9898. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. WPT. Whether Joe Biden believes this madness or is simply too weak to resist it, his administration has been completely hijacked by the radical left. The dividing line in America is no longer between right or left. The choice is between normal or crazy. It's time for a new generation of Republican leadership. Now, she was she was not the press secretary when you were 
chief of staff, was she not? She was. Okay. For a period could, of time, yeah. Okay, because he had uh, it was Spicer and then Sanders and, and then, then Stephanie was who the, sort yeah, of yeah. stopped the whole process of the day to day thing, Correct. right? Uh, so there you go, Sarah Huckabee Sanders. And by the way, it's Bo Thompson. Beth Troutman's off today. She'll be back tomorrow. Mick Mulvaney here on Monday, as usual, catching up on a number of things that have happened since the last time uh, we talked to you on this show, namely the State of the Union and now the State of the Union Republican response. thought you did a really nice job the other night. You know, you and I didn't talk about this beforehand, but that clip is the thing that jumped out at me um, when I saw the speech. I'm like, that... That, that's a $100,000 line. That's the kind of line that, that's what should resonate with people. It's no longer about left or right. It's about crazy versus normal, okay? It's, it's four seconds. You can say it. It speaks volumes. It is a fabulous line. Politicians can go their whole career and not have a line as good as that one, and she did a great job delivering it. I don't think she's running in 2024. In fact, I'm fairly certain she's probably not. But she certainly is positioning herself to be part of the future of the Republican Party, and you don't know what 2028 or 2032 looks like. She's a young woman. I think she's in her late 30s, early 40s. I don't know exactly how old Sarah is. Um, but, no, that was I, – I, I thought – people ask me, who are the big winners on uh, Tuesday night? Joe Biden was a winner because, again, he proved he could still give a speech and was not incompetent and had high energy. He was a winner. Uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders was the other big winner that night. Uh, and the losers – were folks who want to run against um, uh, Joe Biden in a Democrat primary because it's looking more and more like the pendulum is swinging now towards, you know, there not being a lot of opposition um, to, uh, to to Biden. And then all the Republicans who want to run against Biden because he's looking stronger. Well, actually, it's more specifically Trump, because um, I don't think Trump can beat Biden, but that's another story. Anyway, I thought her speech was excellent. It positions her well. That is it. By the way, that slot is cursed. It just is. I mean, you remember Marco Rubio having to drink water in the middle of it, Joe mm-hmm. Kennedy having spit in the corner of his mouth. I mean, th- th- there's been a long history of people in that rebuttal position sort of cratering. Uh, who was the guy from um, Mississippi or Alabama? Bobby Jindal. His, his political career ended over that speech effectively. So, um, so, no, she did a great job under tough circumstances, and I was glad to see it. Well, my reaction, very much the same as yours. I used two numbers, uh, 20, 28, 2032. Obviously, she's not going to be in the mix this time around. And I think who we're, we're going to talk about who is uh, as far as female candidates go in a moment. But uh, I thought that was a very quiet beginning, possibly, to what could be a very successful campaign down the road. I think she uh, she she started watering the root, the plants the other night. And I think maybe I think you can't know how it's going to resonate and extend until years down the road. Uh, I'll say this, though. I told Beth the day uh, the day after uh, you talked about the part of the speech that you thought was the best and, and, and the line to me, the fact that she in her speech worked in some semblance of the phrase a new new uh, new leadership. That echoes the same thing that Nikki Haley's out there saying right now. And while Nikki Haley was a Trump ally, but then broke with Trump at one point, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is where she is because of Trump. Now, I'm not saying that, 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 that she would not have gotten there without Trump, but she's where she is right now at this point in the game because of that springboard, that launch pad that was being his press secretary. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that she's been more consistently pro-Trump than, than Haley. Haley's gone sort of back and forth. Sometimes she's with him, sometimes she's against him. And everybody knows that Sarah Huckabee Sanders was Trump's press secretary, and she didn't quit over some dispute. She didn't do what I do, resigned over January 6th. She wrote it out, right? She was gone. By the way, I think she left in the summer of 2019. Well, and, and um, her job 
every day was to, to defend him. That's was right. defend him and echo but him. But now she's got a job that you can that you really that you, you just you want to have as somebody who wants to run for president, which is you've got a national sort of uh, exposure. People would know who you are, and now you get to go run your state, um, pretty much under the under the radar. There's going to be local press that hound you every single day, but Fox News is not going to be beating up on you. CBS is not going to be beating on you. CNN is not going to be beating up on you every single day. So you get a chance to go out and prove whether or not you can do the job. So right. she is absolutely positioned in the right place at the right time. Uh, and uh, I think she'll be a very, very compelling figure in the Republican Party going forward. Nikki Haley, we got to talk about her. She's two days away from launching officially her 2024 presidential campaign uh, there in Charleston, South Carolina. And we have some Monday Mulvaney music trivia. Uh, obviously, I don't have uh, an ally today. I just have me. Uh, and you've got the music. She could have helped you today. You think? I think so. That, well, I know the answers. So I know she could have helped that, you. That does not bode well for me. If she would have helped me, then I probably don't know it. <laughs> we'll see, though. Uh, 943 on WBT. Uh, Beth will be back tomorrow. Mick Mulvaney, one more segment on this Monday morning. Good morning, PT, with Bo Thompson and Beth Troutman. A morning in Paris, always a good idea. WBT invites you to join the uh, Isabella Santos Foundation for a morning of Parisian fashion, flowers, food, and family to benefit pediatric cancer March 7th at Carmel Country Club. Proceeds from the breakfast will uh, impact a global pedi pediatric cancer program at Levine Children's, bringing new treatments and hope to kids fighting rare cancers. Purchase your tickets today at IsabellaSantosFoundation.org. Final stretch here with Mick Mulvaney on a Monday. We're two days away from the official launch of Nikki Haley's presidential campaign. It's going to happen Wednesday in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, you know the state well. That's where you served. You know Nikki well. Um, what do you think we're going to see and hear on Wednesday? I've got a new theory on this one, by the way. Okay. Uh, and the theory originally was that you know she was going to she had announced was going to announce because she had they had determined she wasn't going to be vice president. That Trump has made a decision he's going to pick a, a woman as his vice president, and she was on the list, and that somehow it got out that she wasn't on the list, and that therefore she's got nothing to lose by running against him because no one you think that Trump would never pick somebody who ran against him. He sees that as being somewhat disloyal. But then he didn't attack her. And I, and I said that. And they said, people said, well, why didn't he attack her? And I'm like, well, he didn't attack her because he usually attacks one person at a time. He goes after Ron DeSantis. And if he can get DeSantis out of the race, then he move on to the next target. That's how he's very methodical about it. But I have a new theory about it. Before this. you say that, not only did he not attack her, but she has now told the story about he called her or she called him and he essentially gave her the blessing to run. Exactly. There's a poll out over the weekend that shows that Ron DeSantis beats Donald Trump head to head but that Donald Trump beats Ron DeSantis with Nikki Haley in the race. So I'm wondering, the cynic in me, I don't know if it's cynic, it's the politician in me is wondering, I wonder if there isn't some sort of deal in place that Trump blessed this and said, you get in the race because you're going to take away more from DeSantis, and if I end up winning, then because you did me this favor, I will make you my vice president. I thought that was absolutely fascinating. Um, and be curious to see how it shakes out. I, by the way, I could be wrong on both counts because I end up, overthinking these things, but uh, politics is a strange bedfellows kind of business, and uh, those types of deals are not outside the uh, bounds. Well, we know it's not going to be Mike Pence running with him, so at some point he's going to have to, uh, and, and granted, tradition uh, has it that that doesn't happen until well into the, the, the final year, but... Did you just say tradition and Donald Trump in the yeah, same yeah, sentence? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Well, well but last time around, he, he, he adhered to that tradition with Pence, but uh, like you say, who knows? Who and there knows? was some reporting out that uh, that Jared Kushner and Ivanka were trying to get Nikki to replace Pence in the middle of the term. 
whether or not there's any veracity to that or not, it's hard to say. I think it was out of Vanity Fair, which is wholly unreliable. But, yeah, there's a bunch of different moving pieces and parts. Like I said, the one thing you can take to the bank, by July, you've probably got six or eight Republicans in the race. Anything you're hearing uh, coming out of South Carolina about what's uh, what's going to happen? Obviously, she's going to make the announcement, but how it's going to be done it's Where? going gonna to be the same thing you saw on her uh, her Fox News sort of circuit that she ran uh, t- two weeks ago about new generation of leadership, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, uh, that's to be expected. That's you, you hear from a lot of different folks is that it's time for a younger generation. By the way, she's right about that. I happen to absolutely agree with, with Nikki that it is time. We've got a good, solid bench of Republicans who could make good presidents. She's one of them. Um, so you ex- I, should, I expect to hear that because that doesn't really slam on Trump. It differentiates you from Trump. Mm-hmm. Without people, you don't have to go out and say, "Look, I, I, you don't get the." Don't, I'm not. I'm not as crazy as he is. You don't have to say that. Everybody knows you're not as crazy as he is, right? So you don't have to say it. What you can say stuff that differentiates you from him without really picking a fight. Okay, just enough time for some Monday Mulvaney music trivia. We have how many songs? Four today. Four songs. Four. You should know. I, I, it's the key is not not to, to the songs, it was not still, to identify, but to identify what do they have together. The connection in common. Yes. Okay. Here we go. What's new, pussycat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I told you Beth would be helpful. <laughs> well, I know this is Tom Jones. That right? is Tom Jones. Yes. That's exactly right. If she were here, but she she'd be happy jumping with me. and dancing. That's exactly That's right. right. All right. That's number one. Oh, we were just talking about this the other day. This is a this is a Burt Bacharach tune. Who is it? Do you know? Yeah, the Carpenters. Oh, you do know it's the Carpenters. Yes. So I think we're two for two on songs that Beth would approve of. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. I'm afraid of what's coming next, given those two. Well, now, see, I think I'm going to... Unless there's going to be one that swerves me, number four. Because this is uh, Naked Eyes, right? Naked Eyes. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Because, see, I talked about the Burke Bacharach connection Friday. If that's what this is. Yeah, I no, I feel you. bad about not listening to the show on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, <laughs> yeah, see, I should, it should have been Identify the Fourth Song. Oh, I did you? Oh, yes. I, yeah, so I do listen to the show occasionally, as you know, because I text in. And yes. you, you actually read one of my texts last I did. week. Yes, but all four of those are Burke Bacharach Burt songs. Bacharach now I feel tunes. awful. That's a no, no. I mean, it's. Uh, I was telling them when I came in today. That, um, you know, we, we, we talk about these people who pass away, and a lot of times then their catalog gets played for several days. In Burt Bacharach's uh, situation, it should be played for several weeks. He won People Magazine's Sexiest Man Alive in 1999, which, right? which means there's still hope 99? for you. 99? Yeah, there's still hope for you and me. Wow, yeah. I think it was the year that he came back into popularity because of the Austin Powers movie. Well, you know, since you mentioned that, uh, I'll actually give you one final thing we can leave with right here. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Burt Bacharach. On top of the bus, as I recall. Mm -hmm. With Elizabeth Hurley, who doesn't age either. No, she doesn't. But what I like about this one is it kind of goes into his Austin Powers loungy version of this in a minute. And there's still hope for us. If Burt Bacharach can be the sexiest man alive in 1999, in 99? there's still hope for you and me. Yeah, we, we, if that's true, we have a few years to go, I think. I keep waiting for that call. Well, I don't have as many <laughs> as you do, so. Here we go. But 
It was the naked eyes one that I thought might throw you because I didn't know that. That I had no idea that was a Burt Backright. The other ones you can they sound like Burt Backright, right? If but, this had happened on Thursday and not Friday, it would have thrown me. That was that the one. I wouldn't pick that one. Yeah. I don't think most people would have. All right, Mick Mulvaney. It's good to see you. Good to see you too. Talk to you next week, and thanks to everybody. And yes, Beth Troutman will be back tomorrow. In fact, it's almost like she was here for this segment. Right? That we just did? Here in spirit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Bo and Beth back tomorrow. Vince Coakley coming up next.